Hey there, online family. Thanks so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We believe that the message you're about to hear is a powerful one. We believe that the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work. And we believe that through this message, you'll hear from Him today. So please enjoy. So, again, I'm Pastor Deb. We've been married for 31 years. And so um, it's been an adventure. Any of you that have been married longer than a day know it's an adventure. <laughs> and I'm so thankful. We have four children. We have seven grandchildren and one on the way, so that will make eight. So then eight is a new beginning for the next eight, right? <laughs> um, well, I just, again, want to thank you for being here and knowing it's a snowy day out there, but we're from Wisconsin, so we're tough, right? We, we can do this. Well, let's pray. Father, we just come before you, and I thank you that you are present in our lives. Thank you for this amazing time that we had this morning in worship and worshiping and praising you. Thank you for the gifts and the talents you've given all these musicians and vocalists, all the people that serve here, the people working with children, the people that are ready to serve and be a blessing to each other. Lord, that just lays a foundation for what you're about to do in this service. And I thank you, God, that not one person leave this room today without receiving something from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to go back in time, and I'm only going back to the beginning of this year. So um, January, Pastor Matt laid a foundation for what we'd be looking ahead for this year. And he said that this, he felt in prayer, that this would be a year of fulfillment. So our hope as we began 2023 is that we would find fulfillment in Jesus Christ first. So Jesus first and everything after that. Our hope in our relationship with him Fulfillment in doing what he's asking us to do. Fulfillment in serving his purpose for our lives. So think back to the first time you heard that. If you're part of this congregation, if not, today's the first time you're hearing about this being a year of fulfillment. The year's not over. There's still time to accomplish things God's called you to. We might question, how can I be fulfilled in Jesus? When I was young and I was learning about Jesus, what I knew about Jesus is that he died on the cross for me. I learned that he forgave my sins. I learned that he even healed people. I learned all those kinds of things. But I was learning, and how I received it was, God was up here, Jesus was up here, I was down here. And if I did something that Jesus didn't like, he was going to get me. So something bad was going to happen in my life. So years later, I came to know the Lord in a personal way, and my whole perception of who God was changed. And who God is, is a loving God. And experiencing his love for your life, there's nothing like it. If somebody asked you today, are you fulfilled in the life you're living, what would your answer be? I believe, if you know Jesus, there's fulfillment. It's probably not 
like totally what you're wanting in your life, like as far, I mean, Jesus is everything, right? <laughs> but as far as things that he's put in your heart to accomplish. Now, when you step into a fulfilled life, that means accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Pastor Matt ministered at the beginning of the year. I'm taking notes from his service, the first service he spoke this year. And he said the important elements to a fulfilled life, the first thing is love. To love and to be loved. And that begins with an encounter of the love of God. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 in the ESV says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. To be totally fulfilled in love, you have to be totally committed. Pastor Matt shares this at weddings he does. He says in order to be totally committed to another person, to be totally committed, that takes total fulfillment, or total fulfillment produces that total commitment. So unless you're really loving something, you can't totally be totally, or totally um, fulfilled. Knowing Jesus, he said, was a second element to a fulfilled life. Philippians 3, 9 and 10 says, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage. Imagine that. We count everything else as garbage compared to knowing Jesus, so that I could gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And what that means is righteousness on my own that comes from the law. I can obey a bunch of rules, but my heart isn't really changed. And so don't just obey the rules of the word of God. <laughs> don't see the word as rules. Say the word of, see the word of God as something that's transforming and changing your life. And then he said, number three, right choices, an element to living a fulfilled life. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Every day, we're faced with choices. I heard a minister say once, every second, you're filled with a choice. A choice to choose love or choose death. Being positive about things or always looking at the negative. You know, I'm... I'm um, on our staff sometimes, different projects or things will come up and we'll go through how we can accomplish that. And sometimes <laughs> in the room, it can, we can be talking about all the ways it can't work. But I'll be like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> Let's talk about how it can work. Because again, we live in a negative world. Everything's negative. 
But when we're Christ followers, there's something on the inside of us that can see things with hope because Jesus lives in us. And it's not just our power, it's not just our ability, but it's him working through us. So our choices affect our words, affect our actions, affect our thoughts. Our choices don't just affect us, but the people around us. Our family, our workplace, our friendships. You know, there was a time in my life that my choices weren't choices that, that was drawing me closer to God. It was actually taking me further from God. But there was a time in my life then that was also became a revelation that I really want God, everything God has for me. And so some of those things didn't exist in my life anymore. I had to make choices. I was somebody, I was a drinker, you know. I could party with the rest of them, you know. However, there was a time in my life that that didn't fulfill me. I was looking for things and drinking and drugs and things like that, but it wasn't fulfilling my life. And thank God that he got a hold of my life. Thank God that that's part of my past and it's not my future. You could put all those things before me today and there is nothing, nothing in any of that that adds value to my life. So you won't ever see me drinking. It doesn't add value to my life. You won't ever see me smoking pot like I used to. Doesn't add value to my life. You know, um, and those are things that for the world is just normal. You know, it's normal to be around people that, that entertain that as bringing fulfillment. But guess what? There's always a next morning. <laughs> and those next mornings weren't always wonderful. <laughs> Another thing about the society we live in is it's really about self, self-help books. There's zillions of self-help books. There's like probably so many. And, you know, we can buy into that sometimes, you know, like, oh, how can this help me? How can that help me? But really, again, it's the word of God that helps us. Selfish defined is concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself, seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard for others. You know, selfish people don't get that way overnight. I don't know if you've been around many toddlers. <laughs> They've got that little selfish thing going on, right? Like they don't want to share those toys. And then when you see a toddler doing that, like... We're around our two grandsons a lot because they live with us. <laughs> Andy and Michaela are building a house, and so they're living in the lower level of our house. And so we get to see how much sharing goes on. <laughs> but our one grandson, Beck, he's always sharing. Like, he's willing to share anything. You know, make a meal, and he'll say, do you want some of that, Nana? You know, he's just always willing to share. Um, of course, Andy and Michaela might tell you something different, but... These are through grandma's eyes, so, you know. <laughs> Do you know, selfish people grow up to be greedy people. Selfish people are stingy with their time, their talent, their possessions. They're people, if you ask if they can do something for you, they think about all the reasons they can't instead of how they can make it work. Selfish people aren't generous people. They don't think about giving to others but they're really good at taking. 
Think about a toddler. What they're wanting to do is take, right? They don't want to give. Let's not grow up to be adult toddlers. <laughs> Selfish people are takers. They don't intentionally think about others. When you're somebody who's generous, you intentionally think about others. You think about ways that you can celebrate people, whether it's a note of encouragement, a word of encouragement, a prayer. It doesn't cost money to be unselfish. And now God's word cautions us regarding selfishness. In Philippians 2, 3 through 5 in the Amplified, it says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit through factional, which is selfish motives, or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this same attitude in yourself, which was in Christ Jesus, to look to him as your example in selfless humility. He's quite the example. <laughs> he gave his entire life. You know, when you think about your life, do you think about other people? Do you always put yourself first? Do you put your schedule first? Do you put your time first? Do you put your finances first? Do you think, how can I be a blessing? How can I be helpful in other people's lives? Again, our greatest example of selflessness is Jesus. But do you know that before Jesus was Mary, his mother? Notice that Philippians talks about selfless humility. So Mary, her selfless humility trumps everybody's, right? She was spoken to by an angel. In Luke 1.28, it says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. So imagine Mary, 14 years old, just having an ordinary day, and then that angel appeared. Um, I can understand why she was startled, <laughs> because I think any of us would be startled. And imagine being Mary's parents. That's a whole nother level. <laughs> a few things that the angel said was that Mary was favored and also said God was with her. If God was with her, that must mean that she knew God because God knew her as well. And also, she was favored because of the life she lived. The word favored means that there's a grace on your life. You know, think about things that you step into that you're like, how am I even doing this? How am I even accomplishing this? It's because you've stepped into a grace. Favor means to regard with kindness, to support, to afford advantages for success. Mary was especially favored by God. There was a grace on her life to step into the calling that God placed on her life. 
And the word says that God gives grace to the humble. Humility is an area in life that isn't always easy. It's humbling yourself. In 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, in the New Living Translation, it says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of elders, and all you dress yourself in humility. Some versions say, clothe yourself in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we think about being humble, the opposite of humble, of humility, is pride. Something about pride is that's the only sin that you don't know you have. But other people around you can see it. Pride is something that can be a form of deception. Again, because you can't see it, but others around you do. When everything's about you, when you're in a conversation, it always goes back to you and your experiences. You don't hear what other people are saying because you're thinking about how you can elevate yourself. So you know what's really good to do every now and then? <laughs> Is have a pride checkup. A really good way to do that, if you're married, ask your spouse. I asked Pastor Matt last night, as long as I was going to say this, I thought I'd better ask him. <laughs> so honey... Do you see any areas of pride in my life? And it probably took him, I mean, he was quiet for a while. <laughs> and then he said, no, I really don't. And I thought, you know why? Because at my age, <laughs> I realize how much I don't know. <laughs> and I think that the older you get, the more you realize what you don't know, what there is yet to learn. So young people, I can remember, those teenage years, and boy, did I know more than my parents knew. I don't know how they could be so, you know, <laughs> nowhere another generation, but really? And then I was in my young 20s. Boy, I graduated. I was graduated from high school, you know, I was just going on with life, playing my softball and volleyball, and it was wonderful, Re referring, I was telling somebody how, in my early 20s, like early, probably 1920, I'd always talk about what I did in high school because that's where I found my identity. I was just trying to figure out who I was as a young adult. Mary found favor with God because she was humble. She was humble, she had faith in God, and she obeyed God. Mary's response to the angel Gabriel was, I am the Lord's servant. This is in Luke 1.38. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. God appointed Mary to be the mother of Jesus. Like, that's a big deal. <laughs> be the mother to the Savior of the world. What has God asked you to do? What has God appointed you to do? What is your response? Is your response, may your word to me be fulfilled? Or is your response, eh, not yet. Let me do this first and, you know, I have to go on break and then I can do that. But he's speaking to you to do something before you go on break. When Gabriel came to Mary 
What did Mary do first? Number one, she made a choice to obey God. Making a choice to obey God. That's something we step into. It's a choice. Think about a yes that you gave God during your time of walking with God. You know, you hear about soldiers and those foxhole prayers. When I get out of here, if I live through this, this is going to happen. And then, does it happen? To be nice or to be at a place that we are following God at the level that he wants us to. Maybe you said yes, and then you think about everything that goes along with the yes that you said. And then you think, oh, I shouldn't have said yes. <laughs> and that's where we can talk about overcommitting. Don't say yes to everything. And yet there are things God wants you to say yes to that aren't comfortable. Did Mary wonder what people were going to think? Her parents, her friends? She wasn't married. And yet, she was carrying the Savior of the world. The favor of God was a huge price tag that Mary paid for, right? That was a huge price to pay for the favor of God. So the favor of God on your life and the area God's called you to or what he has for you, that's a huge price to pay because it means we lay down our life for what God's called us to. So when we obey God, we think about friends, we think about family, we think about the finances maybe, we think about our time, we think about our lifestyle, are things going to change? When I started following God, things changed in my lifestyle. Not because he was making me, but there was nothing in me that wanted that anymore. What I wanted was the fulfillment that came from serving Jesus Christ. And there's no place that I could get that other than spending time in his word, worship times like we had this morning. You know, every day I listen to worship music. It's not something I do once in a while or when I come on Sunday morning. Every day it's a part of my life. What you need, need to know is that there's some times that we bend what God says to us and we make it work for us, but that's really compromising. And so remembering that what you compromise to keep, you ultimately lose. When you hang on to something that you know maybe isn't what God has, ultimately we lose that because God really is in control. Ask yourself, what dream have you given me, God? What have you planted in my heart that's yet to be fulfilled? You know, back in the day when Pastor Matt when I first attended church here, we had a church bulletin. You know, we didn't have the internet back then, believe it or not. <laughs> um, we had a church bulletin, so the vision was written in the bulletin. And it said that part of the vision of the church was to start a child care center. And so I went to Pastor Matt and I said, I have a background in early childhood education. You know, I'd be um, interested in helping with that. And he's like, well, praise God, you're an answer to prayer. I've been praying for somebody that... I said, no, helping. Like, not starting, helping. <laughs> well, he had other ideas and thought I was an answer to prayer. And I, I guess I was. <laughs> but when I said yes to, okay, I'll, I'll help, I had no idea what that yes was going to lead to. I had no idea all the state 
paperwork and, and all the policies and restrictions and all the hurdles that you jump through. I had no idea with any of that. I had no idea that 38 years ago, so it's 38 years ago, <laughs> would lead to us having thousands of children walk through these doors and be cared for, hundreds of staff members that love and care for the children. I had no idea that we'd have Christmas productions like we did this weekend with hundreds of people attending that some that may never ever walk into a door. I had no idea that all those families would say prayers that, you know, we were a non-denominational childcare, so I wasn't gonna use the Catholic prayer over meals or the Lutheran prayer over meals. So I made up a prayer. And that prayer is, has been in thousands of thousands of households. I had no idea that when we pray over children at the school, at the childcare, when we pray for their owies and their scrapes, that when those children go home, they ask their parents to pray for them when they don't feel good or have owies or scrapes or, or tummy aches. I had no idea. I had no idea that some of those children would grow up and are now on staff at Cana Land. I had no idea. I had no idea that those children would fulfill the calling of God in their life at the level that those children have fulfilled. It's amazing. <laughs> when you think that's just my realm of life, when you think of everything that you're doing, you know, I think of our food service program here. When you're serving meals to those children and they go through that line, a word of encouragement or a smile. You know, when I think of any of you in the careers that you have, you have opportunities in the medical field. You have opportunities every day to minister to people, to give them a word of encouragement, a word of hope. You have no idea the promise that God's planted in your heart that he is going to see fulfilled through your obedience. The vision that God gave Pastor Matt all those years ago to have a childcare, to have a Christian school, he had no idea. He was a single man when God gave him that vision. He didn't even have children of his own. You know, it's, it's amazing to see what God has done. And a huge part of that is remaining humble. When we don't remain humble, that's when the enemy gets in. I, I can't say that I did any of this. I was obedient, but it took a team of people around me, and it took me time to get on my face and say, God, I do not know what to do. <laughs> Help me in this. We can't do anything. Well, I can't do anything without God's help, without him leading me, without him speaking to me. And you know, to be at a place where the children are raised in the ways of the Lord so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Any of you parents, any of you grandparents, praying that over your children. You know, there's times that they may not always follow the path that you desire them, that you believe God has for them. But when they are old, he promises us they will not depart from it. To be at a place where our heart, in our heart, where our children will grow in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and man. Mary had favor. 
when your children are grown in the Lord, when they're trained in the Lord, they have favor with God and with man. Another thing Mary did is she magnified the Lord, not the situation. In Luke 1, 46 and 47, it says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirits rejoiced in God my Savior. When your soul magnifies something, it makes it large, it makes it loud. <laughs> she magnified the Lord. The Lord was loud to her. The Lord was everything to her. Is the Lord everything to you? In every situation, you, make a circum you, you have circumstances. You can make larger your God or larger your circumstance. What are we doing? Mary didn't give up. Number two, she followed through and the miracle was completed. So she didn't go like halfway and say, eh, I'm done with this. You can pick somebody else to have the, the savior. I'm just going to have this baby. She couldn't say halfway through, it's not going to happen. <laughs> In Luke 2, 4 through 7, it says, So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea. Known as the town of David, Joseph went there because he was from the family of David. Joseph registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was now pregnant. While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have a baby, and she gave birth to her first son. Because there was no room left in the inn, she wrapped the baby with pieces of cloth and laid him in a feeding trough. She made that long trip, nine months pregnant. Her baby's coming, they weren't at a hotel, wasn't a five star, <laughs> it was a cave. And she laid him in a manger, which was a feeding trough. The trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem was a long trip. Imagine being nine months pregnant, although I say pregnancy's 10 months, but you know. <laughs> Imagine doing all that on a donkey. You know, Michaela, our daughter, she's ready to have a baby in a month. Imagine doing all that on a donkey. <laughs> um, Michaela, you want to try? <laughs> Do you think that when Mary said yes, she thought about the conditions she was going to be experiencing? She didn't know those things, but she still said yes. The miracle, even when it comes might not be the way you think. What miracle are you carrying? Ask yourself, God, what have you planted in me? What has yet to be born? What will it mean for you to obey God? What will it mean to see the miracle fulfilled in your life? Maybe it's graduating high school. You have to get through that, and then college. And then maybe it means talking to the person next to you at work that doesn't even know that you have a relationship with Jesus. And if they don't know, well, why don't they know? You know, I think of this expansion project that we're called to do. It's really bigger than any one of us can complete on our own. We're gonna need people that are skilled in carpentry, that are electricians, masonry, roofing, clearing the land, but before that, we need architects and design engineers. But before that, 
we need a project man manager and team of people that make sure it all works according to schedule. But before that, <laughs> we need a congregation of people and friends of this ministry that partner together with us in, in faith, in prayer, in finances, in their time, to see a vision fulfilled. When I hear that song, God is able, and that part of that song is just imagine what the Lord can do with all the faith that's in this room. Just imagine what the Lord can do. That's so exciting to me. But before all of that, our pastor had to spend time with God. He had to hear a word from the Lord, like Mary did, not at the same level, <laughs> but What's gonna happen here, what is happening here, impacts generations. What you're doing makes a difference in the lives of those babies back in the nursery as much as it does our 80 plus year old people sitting in this congregation and people outside the doors. Philippians 4, 6, it says, and I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We can't carry a miracle without God's help. He began a good work in you. He began a good work in all of us. When we humble ourselves, when we lay our life down, when we say, God, whatever you want, here I am, I'm your servant. That's when that miracle can be birthed in you. Mary was an ordinary person. We're all a bunch of ordinary people. We all bleed the same color. We all go to the bathroom. There's things in our lives. We sleep every night. We get up every day. We're ordinary people. What became extraordinary about Mary would not have happened happened if she didn't choose to obey God. What's extraordinary about you is that when you choose to obey God, your life is completely magnified in a way that you could not do on your own. I'm just so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that God chooses to use I think, you know, like Tracy said, donkey. You know, if he can use a donkey, <laughs> he can use any one of us. And we have to look at not what we cannot do, but what we can do. Because it's Jesus Christ living in us. He can, we can do all things because he strengthens us. He wasn't asking Mary for anything impossible to him. It may have been impossible to her. He was just waiting for her yes. What's the yes God is waiting for from you? You know, our world is hurting and it's desperate for Jesus. You know, you can go out and about anywhere and you see hurting people. I want to encourage you to just stop at the grocery store. You know, wherever you are, just stop and offer people a word of encouragement. Offer them a smile. Knowing that our world is hurting and desperate for Jesus, are you willing to say, yes, Lord, use me?
We carry the answer, but God is waiting for our yes. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like everyone to just close your eyes. Father, I just thank you for every person in this congregation. Every person that's online, our family that's online, that's listening in. And I thank you, God, for speaking to every heart and rekindling that fire inside them that maybe they've let a, a vision lay dormant because they didn't think they could. But Father, I thank you that even now you're stirring by your Holy Spirit, you're stirring an atmosphere of faith. You're building faith on the inside of them that they receive all that you have for them. And with every eye closed, if you're sitting in this room today and you're like, I don't hear from God that way. I don't know Jesus that way. Jesus doesn't live in my heart. He's not the Lord of my life. But I want to know his purpose for my life. I'd like you to raise your hand and we're going to pray a prayer with you. And it's called the Believer's Prayer. It's an opportunity for you to step into God's kingdom forever. Say this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I ask that you forgive me of my sins, of everything that I've said or done or thought that wasn't in line with your will for my life. I ask that you forgive me now that you come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I receive you now and I ask that you fill me with your Holy Spirit that I obey you and follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And now I just pray over this congregation and God, the words that were spoken today, I thank you for the things that you're stirring in their hearts. And I thank you, God, for the testimonies next year at this time of all the promises that were fulfilled of all the things that you stirred in them and they said yes. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you all. We're gonna stand and worship and this song is called Gratitude. We have so much to be thankful for. And so let's all join in praise and worship and thanking our God for all he's done in our lives. Thank you so much for tuning into the Refuge Official Podcast today. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to connect with the Lord. And hey, if you made a decision to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, we are first and foremost just so happy for you and we would love to get connected with you. So if you want to find some more of our content and find out how to get connected with us, feel free to check out our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you.